Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blackstock Triangle, an Arsenal podcast. Uh, my name is Sean and I am here today with Alex. Alex, how are you? I'm good, Sean. After that performance, fantastic. How are you? No, yeah, the the, uh, the performance will make the rest of your weekend or since it was a Sunday game for most of us, uh, it will make your week. Uh, and without without a game this week, we can just sort of bask in it for a while. No, we get to watch other people play in the Champions League, but then we get our own turn next week, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, before we get started, though, I just want to thank everyone for taking the time out to download and to listen. Uh, and if we could just ask you for one more favor, it'd be fantastic if you could give us a like, a review, a subscribe, whatever it is that you can do, uh, just kind of help us out. Tell a friend, word of mouth, big, big part of growing podcasts. Uh, and we would love to grow this one and be able to share it with as many people as possible. So. Again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, and now we'll just we'll be greedy and we'll ask for a little bit more of your you know, of your favors. Uh, so let's talk about this one. Uh, Arsenal on the on the road. Of course, it's a London derby. West Ham, the Olympic Stadium. What are your feelings going into this one? We talked about this a little bit before uh, on the on our Twitter Spaces that we did last week. So that's a place that we're going to try to to you know get into a little bit more so you can find us there as well uh so tell me about your feelings we talked about this one uh but what are you thinking before the game before the lineup just sort of as you're you're sort of preparing in the couple of hours before the game you're thinking about it where where are you mentally yeah i mean for me when i saw the lineup i was i was like uh oh oh this is going to be tough i mean i really thought it was going to be a tough game i, re- I really thought that you know, going away to West Ham, it hasn't exactly been an easy fixture for us over the past couple of seasons. So, yeah, in the back of your mind, you're just thinking, okay, this is going to be tough. Um, but, yeah, was not expecting that performance. And, you look, you mentioned the lineup. Um, you know, that's obviously down to the fact that we have a lot of injuries right now. The likes of Jesus, Sinchenko, Partey, who Timber's been out all season. Uh, ESR rolled his ankle or something like that. Um, apparently, Jorginho uh, had a bit of a late fitness test. He was on the bench. So, yeah, look, when I saw the lineup and then when I saw the bench, I thought, okay, we are light, you know, light, light. Light doesn't even probably do it justice. So, yeah, nervous, I think, is probably the best answer. I was very nervous for this game, but that performance was unbelievable. Yeah, we absolutely owed West Ham. I'm not even sure that a 6-0 in their their home park. I'm not even sure that's enough for what we owe them for what they've done to us over the last, you know, since last season with the draw. This season they've beaten us twice. I'm not even sure this game really repays them for all that we owe them. I think, honestly, I think we have to do it to them again next year uh, just to start to pay that back. Uh, but a 6-0, an absolute spanking, a brilliant game, in the end, we'll go through it. Uh, it didn't. It didn't start out necessarily looking like it was going to be that way, but it ends up that way, and that's what we're going to remember, and that's what we should remember. Uh, so, just to run us through a little bit of this game, uh, four goals in the last fifteen minutes of the first half. Uh, that really puts the game to bed. Three of them on set pieces. We'll talk a little bit about that. That may that may be a little bit misleading. I think, for example, I think Saka was going to score on his if he hasn't uh, if he doesn't draw the penalty. Uh, and we can talk about how well we were creating and pressuring before the goal started because I, I don't think this was a 
I don't think this was a situation where we needed the set piece goals to get things going. I think this was a situation where the pressure that we were already creating gives us the set pieces. And then we just do what we do on set pieces, which is score. And so I think this is not one of those where I think, oh, without the set piece, we might not have, without the set piece goals, I'm not sure that we do this. I think this was coming by the time we settled into a bit of a rhythm. So I'll I'll get your opinion on that too. So how are you thinking about that? Yeah, look, I agree. I think spot on there. I think with some of the the set pieces and the corners we had previously leading up to that goal, I think you could see it coming. Uh, um, it was almost like it was a matter of a matter of time. It was like we were sort of honing our our sight, you know, getting the wind direction correct, and you know, just uh, slowly but surely getting it right. And you know, Declan Rice as well. You know, with his ability on the ball from uh, set pieces is. Just, you know, unbelievable. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I think it was always a matter of time. And I think we use set pieces. I feel like it's almost a case of where we use set pieces to break down a team and to ultimately try and – obviously, you want to try and score from a set piece, but it's like we use them because we know that if we score, it forces the team to play out a little bit. They can't be a sort of low-block team where they're – you know, 10 men behind the ball. You know, if we score from a set piece, it's like, okay, now you guys have to come out. And when you start having to come out, that's when we can start playing our game a bit more. And that's what it kind of felt like. Yeah, for sure. I think I think you could see that there were a few things that the team was trying that, looked like it would have unlocked West Ham without the set piece goals. For example, a couple more uh, aggressive, sh- a little more aggressive shooting. I did also notice that the, some of the set pieces that we took, we had mixed it up a little, started to mix it up a little bit, um, change the angle on some of the crosses. You go short, you you kick it out a little bit, and then you change the angle on those. Those ended up not working. And then the one we score on first is a very traditional, <laughs> just like who's going to go up the highest and get that. Uh, and it ends up being Saliba, of course. But before we get to that, you did mention the lineup in your in your summary, and I think that's that's worth going through because in addition to the regular injuries that we all knew about, there were a couple that maybe surprised me a little bit. I had not, I was not, did not know about ESR before the game. Um, I was also then under the impression that Gabriel Jesus was going to be available for this one. Uh, so that those a couple of those were a little surprising, and, you know. In addition to all the ones we knew about, uh, I didn't know that that uh, Jorginho was carrying something as well. So once you end up looking at that, it's it becomes it does. You look at that lineup and that bench, and you're like, we have to put this one to bed. If this is if this is a thing where you're chasing late, or if this is a situation where you know you need you, you need specific players to like close out a tight game those aren't necessarily available. And so it's when you talk about a really good time to just put one away in the first half and be able to bring on whoever you want in the second half, because it's not going to matter. This was the time to do it. So excellent timing by the squad, I think in terms of protecting what was an extremely thin bench. This was the first time that I can remember there being someone on the bench that I didn't know. So, uh, apologies. Uh, who was it? Was it Bandera? Yeah, Bandera. Yeah. Uh, I, 
honestly did not know who that was. So apologies tomorrow, Ban- uh, Bandera. I I was not well, familiar was it, with you, and I'm is it I'm Bandi- Bandiera? I don't know. Is it Bandiera? Uh, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure to tell you the it's truth. Eira, so I'm not yeah. entirely sure. Either way, but, I'm not familiar with your game. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, you try to follow you know the academy and and you know the under 21s and all that, but sometimes there are some players that that sneak through. We'll and we'll talk about the subs too because. Uh, you know, Ethan Winery gets on, and we can talk about that. That that cameo is is kind of all over the narrative of this game as well. Uh, so let's start just with the game, and then at the end, I think I know I have this in the wrong place in the in the outline. In the end, I'll, we'll talk about some questions that were maybe raised or answered by this game, and we'll get your opinion on that. So we talked a little bit about the lineup. I took some notes on this game because I'm tired of forgetting all the little things that happen in a game and and sort of getting snowed under by the big things that happen, you know, the goals and the giveaways and and the big plays and all that. I I wanted to get more in-depth into some of the nitty-gritty of the game. And you and I talked about this a little bit before we started. It was not the best start to this game. You didn't establish in the first 10 or 15 minutes that this was going to be like, you didn't know in the first 10 minutes, this was going to be a six nil game or something that looked remotely like a six nil game. No, no, definitely not. Um, yeah. The first 25 minutes, uh, it was a bit sort of sketchy, but it, it felt like we kind of probably from the 15th minute, maybe the 20th minute, we kind of grew into it a little bit. Um, and it got to a point where, yeah, by the, what was it, 35th minute, I think that, that sort of 35th minute to 45, 45th minute was probably, to tell you the truth, it was a bit of a blitz. I don't think, um, I don't think it was, yes, we played well, but it was one of those moments, I feel like, in the, in a game where just everything went right for us. Um, uh, and so, you know, 4-0, at half time and within you know was it it was probably what within ten minutes uh I'm not gonna say that it flattered us it did def- i don't think it flattered us, but it it was a bit of a blitz that sort of happened, but yeah, just to go back to the the, the you know the first twenty five minutes you're right it was very cagey uh, Jared Bowen there were a couple of opportunities where he was through on goal uh and I think there were a couple of set pieces as well that they had it might have been a corner I can't remember. Off the top of my head, where it, it, you know, on another day, if they, if they, they could have scored, and if they did, it, it, the game could have been a completely different game, almost similar to, I guess, the game of the Emirates, where they scored first, and all of a sudden we're chasing the game. Um, yeah, it would have been horribly unlucky to give away. So I mean, they're they created next to nothing. It would have been just yeah. an absolute. It would have been an absolute fluke for that to have happened. I think the final XG in this game is three point five nine to zero point two two. So yeah. <laughs> But you're right. Any kind of fluke goal early changes things, and we weren't on top completely from the start. No, Although you you mentioned it sort of after the 25th minute or around thereabouts, I had it, um, and I was watching the NBC broadcast here in the U.S. At, at the 15 minute mark, it, the pos- possession was 82 to 18 for Arsenal, and by the 26th minute, it was only 67 33. So we end up giving up a little bit more of the ball and changing the nature of the game because what I thought is that it, it, that West Ham ultimately made a huge mistake 
in not sticking with their low block 10 behind the ball. It felt like they actually tried to think about coming out and playing a little bit. And that's where it all fell apart. They were pressing us somewhat effectively in the first half. I mean, Kivior has a giveaway in the second minute, just gets his pocket picked, and that leads to ends up being an almost chance. I don't even think they got a shot away on it. Um, but we, were, we weren't really able to establish the patterns we wanted very early on. Uh, and they, they sort of got us in a few giveaways uh, before yeah, we I really think- started to establish. Yeah, no, look, I, I, I 100% agree. And I think one thing I will say is that Arteta, it seemed as though what he did is he, he kind of reversed it a little bit where he gave you a start of the game. Um, and unlike the Fulham game, he didn't want him to invert. You could see that it was Ben White that was coming in. And I think it might have taken maybe the first, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes of that game for maybe the team to get a bit of understanding, that sort of mirror effect maybe, because, it, yeah, Ben White was cutting in a bit more because Ben White's a lot more comfortable on the ball, I think, than Kivior. So Ben White was doing the cutting in because Zinchenko wasn't playing. So I think that might, might have had an effect where, you know, we were a bit probably cagey in the first 25 minutes or so, 25, 30 minutes. Uh, and another thing as well, Based on, I guess, some of the well, from what I could see, it was almost like Havertz and Trossard. They were sort of floating a lot more, um, which we haven't probably really seen that much this season. Um, Havertz, at the beginning, was in midfield and Trossard was up front. But then you, I think you probably even noticed as well uh, the through ball from Trossard to Saka when he got the penalty for the second goal. You know, Trossard's deep in midfield, and he started basically up front as our number nine. And he's mm-hmm. come all the way deep, deep in midfield, and he's played that obviously that over the top ball, that beautiful over the top ball to Saka. Um, so there was a lot more sort of fluidity. It was almost as if Havertz and Trossard and and even Odegaard were just sort of floating a bit more in the midfield, and they were just sort of taking up positions. You know, filling gaps where you know if Trossard came deep, Havertz went forward. You know, and if Odegaard went forward, Havertz would, and Havertz and Trossard were going to midfield. You know, it was like a very good sort of, it was a good, I don't know, for lack of a better term, symbiosis, <laughs> you know, in that midfield. <laughs> yeah, and I have it later on that, that, that Martinelli was popping up in some very interesting places as well. And so, yeah, you're right about Trossard and Havertz. And, and that, that is, a, it's an interesting way to play because, they're, you know, they have different styles, they have different strengths. And so if they're doing that, where they're doing a lot of switching, it's, it can be very confusing for, for a defender because on any given sequence, you're not really sure what you're going to be up against. And, you know, to do that sort of quick mental, you know, jumping where it's like, oh no, it's not that guy. You know, it's not Trissard, the the littler guy with the, the technique, right? It's Havertz. It's the huge, like you know, physical presence that, that you're having to deal with in that exact moment. Like if you don't, if, if, if that thinking is not reflexive, immediately reflexive, right? You don't have time to think, you don't have time to like go, you don't have time to look around and say, Oh, it's this guy. Okay. Now, you know, and go through your list of like, this is what I want to do. If you're not, if you're not doing the things that you need to be doing on reflex, if they're already gone. And so it creates, I think a lot of very interesting problems for center back partnerships to sort of have to deal with 
but also the- with like your midfielders as well. Like if you think about if if you've got these players chopping and changing positions, it's, it's very hard. And your, and your manager is most likely. I mean, I'm just you know I don't I don't know what Moyes has told his players, but you know he's a very sort of I don't want to say rigid manager, but he's a he's a manager that wants structure within his team, right? If you've got players, the opposition is there and they're all swapping positions and they're all, you know, and you've got your manager saying, oh, you're on Havertz or you're on Trossard. It's like, well, hang on, he's he's all the way, you know, over there. Like, what, what do you want me to go? And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I'm all the way over here. So, so you know, it's like the players will pull their, their the ones that were man-marking them or their defenders, whatever the case may be, out of position, creates space, creates more gaps. And you could kind of see that as the half went on, it was almost like they, I don't want to say they got more confused, but West Ham were kind of a bit more all over the shop, you know, where they were like, there were players in like huge gaps in midfield. Like I remember there was like, I think it was a ball to Martinelli, although this might've actually been the second half, but there was a ball to Martinelli and the, he was in acres of space. I mean, it was just literally, I, I think it was uh, Gabriel or it might've been um, uh, Gabriel, um, uh, Salibus, excuse me. And they just ping this ball to like Martinelli, and he's just all by himself. And I'm like, hang on, what? what where's, your, where's your? Where's the right back? Like you know, like. But it was like it was almost like we, as the game went on, we just started pulling the strings, and they couldn't they couldn't keep up. You know, as, as we started to get a bit of a foothold, we were pulling the strings, and they were like all of a sudden just all over the place. And then before you know, it, we've scored four goals in ten minutes. Yeah, and I think I really started to notice that with the Trussard volley that Ariel saves very, very well. That's an excellent shot. Uh, I don't know if you remember that one. The, the ball gets floated in. Yep. Uh, you know, Trissard just picks it out of the air, is able to get over it. That ball's going, you know, top ends, and Ariel saves it extremely well. Uh, and that was Odegaard the has where... a shot just a few minutes later. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, was like, that's the one where Havertz ducked. I don't know if you remember that. The ball was coming in. Havertz was about to head it. And I think Trossard says something. Oh, Havertz yeah, ducks yeah. out the way. And then Trossard goes to the volley. And I think that, and I think you're right. That was sort of that turning point where it was like, oh, it's something's just clicked there. You know, it, it was odd because it was like Havertz just knew, or like, I'm, I'm sure Trossard said something, but it was like he was going for the header. Then he was like, he just ducked out the way. And Trossard just volleyed it and it was saved. Very good save. Yeah, and I know Trussard gets his goal later, but I feel like he should have gotten that one. That deserved, <laughs> really deserved a goal. He's so good. Like he's got such great quality. You know, he really, his whether it's a volley, whether it's just a, a single touch. You know, he's a very underrated player. I think not only by opposition fans, but even our fans. I would say, I think he's actually very underrated. He's it's got excellent quality. He's yeah, he just. He, got velcro in his shoe you know what i mean like he, he the way he dribbles the ball you go man yeah, yeah. <laughs> well and i you know i had heard when when we picked him up that brighton fans weren't really happy with his play as a in that false nine kind of position i think he for us at least he does that job exceptionally well and i yeah. i like seeing him i like seeing him there better than than i like seeing him out on the wing yeah uh I guess I don't know, maybe part of the reason for that is, uh, yeah, I don't really know. I don't know why Brighton, why they wouldn't like that. That's I don't. Know, I, I guess you know, some players don't fit certain teams. You know, I mean, we, yeah. we've signed Trossard, and he's been fantastic for us. So I'm not complaining. 
Yeah, and then just a few minutes later, Odegaard has a, a low, hard, deflected shot. I think that one might have been going in. Uh, so by that time, you're like, okay, we're settled in. This is not going to be an issue where, you know, you're going to be waiting 60, 70, 80 minutes for that first goal. It's it's felt at that point like it was coming. Four minutes later, uh, Saliba scores uh, off the corner. Uh, like I said, we had mixed up on the short corners for a bit just to just to give people a different look and then score with a very traditional corner, just sort of Saliba getting over everyone to the, at the back post. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, the delivery by Rice, again, just, it's exquisite. It's just, it's, the keeper can't quite get it, but somehow it's really close, you know, inside the six-yard box. And it's just, you know, that's kind of where... If you could draw it up and just say, okay, I'm aiming here, that's about where you would draw that circle. And um, I think this is something they've definitely worked on when they went to Dubai because I, th- I heard a stat. I can't remember whether, I can't remember what, what show it was on. It was on some uh, TV show where before the Dubai break, or basically before New Year, but essentially last year, last year uh, Declan Rice had had three. Corners, I think it was three corners. It might have been three set pieces in total, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was just three corners. To be honest, I'm ninety percent sure. Um, and this season, already from four games in the Premier League, he's taken twelve from the corner. So yeah, he's, tri- he's yeah he's quadrupled his his corner taking um, all after the Dubai break. So clearly, something has been worked on in Dubai where they've said you've got the quality, so you're you're, you're taking the corners. <laughs> Well, it's pretty ridiculous. We only needed a couple of weeks to get that good at it. <laughs> that's yeah. It feels it feels very oh, unfair true. for anyone to be able to be that good at something that they hadn't done a lot of, even yeah. if it's related to the thing that you do. Because you know he, he gets another one on the Gabby on the big Gabby goal, and it's just like, what are we doing here? Did, like, why haven't we done this the whole season? Like, what's yeah. going on? It- it's like it seems it seems so obvious now. Like you know, hindsight is perfect vision, as they say. And you go, oh, man, hang yeah. on, why didn't we start exactly doing this at the beginning of the season? But <laughs> you know, it's just like Declan. He's so. But the issue is what well, because he's what, he's six one, six two, something like that. So you, it, the the inclination is to have someone like that in the box. Mm-hmm. But his quality of delivery is so good that it's like you know what? It's we're actually probably better off having him take the corner kick because really. He's just he's going to be put on a dime every time, every time, you know, almost David Beckham esque, where it's just like, yep, here you go, right here, right here. Um, and yeah, he did it twice, you know, and then of course, we'll probably get onto his finish, but ugh, you know, oh, just, yeah. you know, it's just like, my God, this guy is just insane. It's just, we'll, yeah. sp- we'll spend some quality time <laughs> with his goal. Yep, definitely. Uh, so that, so the Saliba goal starts a four goal flurry in the final in the, you know sort of the next 15 minutes. So let's talk about uh the next one you had sort of referenced this that ball that Trissard sends from deep to release Bukayo Saka who was amazing in this one also. Saka all by himself uh gets around uh you know takes a touch past Ariola who then fouls him in the box. An absolute I've, I've never seen a less dramatic penalty call from a referee. It just like very calmly pointed at the spot. Uh, and the only question was going to be whether Saka was offside. I have to admit, 
in in the shot that I got initially on the first replay, I, I really did think that he might have been offside. I don't think the that initial shot saw the had the left back in it and he was obviously being kept well on side. And so the only question became for me, like, why did that take so long to figure out? And why did it take so long for the lines to get drawn? Yeah. You know, it's just like, what are you doing? You know, that was some very 30 false... more seconds than what it needed to be. <laughs> false drama because it yeah. became very clear very quickly that that was going to be onside. If they draw the line straight away, it tells you straight away. He's not on, he's not offside. Okay, cool. Penalty. Let's go. You know, why do you need to take 30 seconds to zoom in on all these different like West Ham players and Bukayo Saka just to try and like, oh, is this player offside or is this player on? You know, it's like just put the lines. Put the lines. It'll tell you. And I know technically they had to look at the penalty, but I'm sure they didn't have to look at that more than once because that was very clear. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is with that, I mean, look, it was a very light touch. I will say that. But. Once the ref gives it, you can't overturn it. So there's no need for you to look at it over and over again. At the end of the day, Ariola touches Saka. Saka goes down. In the, it's all in the penalty box. That's a penalty. Yeah, easy call. Yeah. Uh, you know, and Saka missed one, at, you know, in the same fixture last season. So happy to see him take that and very, very confidently put that one in the back of the net. Yeah, he's got balls of steel, doesn't he? I mean, honestly, this kid, you think about everything he went through in the Euros when he missed the penalty. Oh, was it saved? Yeah. I can't even remember. But, you know, and he came back even stronger. And now, you know, he missed the penalty last season that we could have gone 3-0 up away at West Ham and then ultimately we drew the game and it led to, the, you know, the catalyst, as you, as you could say. Um, and he, he's there, he takes the ball and he just slots it. And you think, man, that takes such guts, courage, and belief in your ability to say, you know what, okay, I missed the last one that we were here, but that doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to score this one, no problem. You know, that's very, um, it's very, it's a very much a world-class kind of player thinking, you know. It's like a Zlatan Ibrahimovic kind of mentality. <laughs> just <laughs> 22 years old and he's ours. I mean, I just, yeah. you just, you get up and you thank your lucky stars every day for that. If you think about this team for more than a few minutes, you cannot start taking somebody like that for granted. That's no. his fiftieth. That was his fiftieth Arsenal goal in two hundred ten appearances. Yeah, a hundred goals and assists in two hundred and ten appearances. Like that's and at twenty two, twenty two years old. I mean, it's an astounding record. That's it's incredible. Great. I mean, it's yeah. just like I said. If you if you spend any time thinking about this team and you you know don't take Bukayo Saka for granted, and I actually think that some fans maybe had started to do that, and and. Because his numbers, you know, earlier this season didn't appear as eye-catching as some of the stuff that he was doing last year. It sort of felt like there might have been, you know, a little bit of that that sort of uh, entitlement that like, you know, hey, what's, you know, what's going on with this kid? Nothing was going on with Bukayo Saka, okay? He's brilliant. And you should wake up and thank Whatever powers it is that you believe in or not believe in, you should thank them anyway that he exists and that he plays for this club because it is an absolute privilege to watch this kid on a week to week basis. And like you mentioned, you know, he's also he's one he's one of ours. You know, he came through our academy. Yeah, yeah I mean just I don't know. That's it's just not a story you get to celebrate and, and no matter how much we celebrate him and that story. I still feel like it's not enough. Like 
I'd put a I'd put a statue up now. Maybe okay, maybe not. But I think if he wins, I think if he wins, you know, some major trophies yeah, no. with this team, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anticipatory statue. Yeah. Go ahead, I'll tell you what, we'll compromise. Go ahead and make it, and then we'll you know do you, you know we'll display it later once he retires. Just yeah, absurd, just absurd stuff. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, go ahead if you want to finish up on that. No, well, listen, um, I think as well. If I'm not mistaken, he's he's equaled already his goals goals and assists from last season, hasn't he? I'm not sure. I only remember his I only remember his goals, and, and maybe that might be. Uh, is that comparing Premier League to all competitions or no, it's, Premier it's League last year to all competitions? I, think, I, I don't really. Yeah. Know. Well, he's got I, he's got 26 goals and assists already this season. I, I think that's ridiculous. I think, well, I think uh, but, yeah, but that's in all competitions, right? Yes, that is in all competitions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he, yeah. Either way, he's 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 having the year that you would want him to have. He's just outstanding. I can't say enough. I cannot say enough about him. I we could do you could do entire series of episodes just on him, and I think it would be fine. I think there wouldn't be any problem there. But we but we do need to move on because we have more goals to cover. Just a few minutes later, uh, another free kick. Uh, down our sorry, left. Uh, sorry, can I just oh, say sorry, quickly? No. Um, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, he got 26 goals and assists last season in all competitions. He's already equaled that. Okay. Wow. And we still got, what, a third of the season to go? You got a bit of season to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so he could easily get more than 30-plus goals and assists. He's on 26. And we still got the Champions League, and he's been killing it in the Champions League this season. Uh, so, yeah, he could easily get over 30, maybe even 35 goals and assists this season he's if truly deep in the champions league yeah and you know and it's, it's funny because people are saying that oh you know he's he's out of form he's out he does not does what he he's not what he was last season but it's like he just equaled what he did last season and we still got what how many games left in the league 14 games plus seven games if we make if let's say we make it to the final of the champions league you know touch wood um, yeah why not yeah we're uh, building statues that, already so absolutely yeah yeah so why not so that's that's what that's 21 games so if he, you know, it's another, that could be potentially another seven to 10 goals and assists, something like that, maybe. Yeah, given so that, given his current yeah. pace. Yeah, so that's 30, what, about 33 to maybe mid-30s, maybe yeah. if we, if he's lucky. That's insane. That's that's world-class numbers. Yeah, you too, yeah. I mean, you just, again, you just, you're counting your blessings. There's, there's nothing else you can do except count your blessings and keep watching and just keep being amazed. And and don't forget your capacity to be amazed by watching amazing things. Like don't get used to that. Go watch, you know, go watch another, go watch a mid table team and then come back and remember how lucky you are that you get to watch Bukayo Saka every week. It's ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so just a few minutes later, I mean, literally a few, as in three, uh, free kick down the left, pretty deep uh, in the West Ham half, or you know, pretty deep in West Ham territory. Declan Rice, it, if you had to pick, wouldn't you say this delivery might have actually been a little bit better than the corner? Yeah, I mean, the, the dip that he got on <laughs> the you end say of something? that. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, that was it was a because that was it was probably about I don't know maybe thirty yards out, uh, give or take, and just the way he whipped it in, 
And you, it's funny, it looked like it was going to go to the keeper. Like it looked like, oh, this is too far. And then it just dips at the last minute and uh, Gabriel gets his head on it and you think, oh, man, quality, just so much quality. And like I said earlier, it just everything clicked. For about 10, 10, 12 minutes, everything just clicked. You know, we just looked like a team that was on a rampage. And oh, it's it's I love it. I love it. It's just, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, that it's... I mean, I, I assume I, I will never play it anywhere near this kind of level and never did, but I would assume there's not much such a thing as like an easy finish off of a set piece like that. But Gabrielle's not going to get a lot that are easier than what he ended up, you know, having to do with that one. So, yeah, that, you know, by three nil, I'm finally starting to relax a little bit. Because, you know, the third goal is the one you couldn't get last year to seal it. You know, so you get the third in the first half. I'm starting to relax a little bit. I, I'm, I'm Again, I'm taking notes. But at the same time, there's nothing that I can take, you know, as a, as a moment of the game between the second and third goal or between the third and fourth goal. Because, uh, you know, two minutes into stoppage time, you get the Trissard goal, which is it's it was my favorite at the time it didn't end up being my favorite goal of this game but it was my favorite one at the time just because of the the quality of the finish and you could see you could see the way he was shaping his body exactly where he was aiming and you just sort of knew even though you know Ariola gets a fingertip on it as soon as he starts to shape his body and, and you can tell where he's, he's wanting to go in that top corner, you're like, yeah, it's a goal. And there's some of them you can just see before they happen. And you could just see this one as soon as he turns to, to you know, to stroke the ball. It's just like, yeah, that's in. Yeah. And like I mentioned about Trossard's quality earlier, you know, that's just, that's a part of it. His, his, he cuts in and, you know, he, he, the way he cuts in on with the ball on his on his right foot, just enough pace on the ball to move it, you know, a certain distance ahead of him, so that he's able to get like a clean strike into that corner and get, get that finesse, you know, to get it into the corner. You know, that's that takes a level of skill. Like that's a hard thing to do, and he just makes it look so easy. Um, having said that, you know, I have to say some of the West Ham defending was atrocious. Um, oh sure, they just. Yeah, you know, like how on earth you give someone, you know, someone who's got that low center of gravity like Trossard, who's able to sort of dribble past one, two players in very close quarters, how you give them that much space, I, I'll never understand. You know, oh, they you were have broken. To, yeah, yeah, you have to close down. Like, I don't know what they were doing. Um, so, yeah, but yeah, like going back to Trossard, just unbelievable quality um, to be to be expected. And yeah, just a great finish, quality finesse finish into the corner. You know, you love you love those kind of FIFA goal. You know, <laughs> and it was after that. Uh, it was really after the third goal uh, that, at least in the U.S. on the U.S. broadcast, they started to show the West Ham fans. You know, starting to leave the stadium. You get the fourth goal in stoppage time. What a glorious sight that was! Just, by the way, just pouring, just pouring uh-huh. out of the stadium. Arsenal fans, the, the away fans, always excellent. Uh, Ole's to finish the first half, and you just, 
you just know that the rest of your, you know, for, for somebody like me who was watching this at, at nine in the morning, and you're just like, yeah, the rest of my day is made. Nothing, <laughs> you know, outside of something yeah. catastrophic. There's nothing going to ruin my mood today. Uh, so yep. we go into halftime, 4-0 up. And I will say this may actually be my, sort of low-key my favorite moment of the game in a game that had big moments is coming out in the second half, there was no foot on the brake. There was no, it was still, it felt like the team still had their foot on the gas the whole time. I felt like there was just no let up between first and second half, which I thought was wonderful. Yeah, I think it was almost like Arteta had a point to prove. You know, it like almost kind of like the uh, the student becoming the teacher. You know, because obviously Mikel Arteta played under Moyes in his Everton days, right? Uh, so it was almost like a listen, old man. Let me show you how this is done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was yeah. Uh, I think Arteta was probably just reluctant to change anything straight away. You never know in the Premier League. Can a team come back from four goals? Yes, they can because it happened to us with Newcastle going back, you know, 10, 12 <laughs> years ago. So, yeah, it can happen. Um, so I think maybe Arteta was like, listen, just keep going out there. The first 15, 20 minutes, let's just put the sword to them. And, yeah, sure enough, we got another couple of goals and that was when he was like, okay, cool. All of you come off. The job is done now. Let's let's rest. we got a Burnley in a week's time. Let's go, you know. Yeah, and that becomes really one of the great takeaways from this game is getting some guys, you know, just 20, 30 minutes off. I, I will say that that uh, Leandro Trossard just sort of shrugging Bowen off in the 52nd minute. <laughs> just, you know, Jared Bowen comes in, you know, try and take the ball off Trossard and he just shrugs him and puts him on his butt. And I just, it made me smile. I'm like this this team lost no hunger at halftime. And so it was at that moment I was like, yeah, they're, they're putting, they're putting another one or two past this team for sure. And so we're on goal difference watch, right? Because that's a, that's going to matter in a, in a tight title race. And so being able to add two more was fantastic. I, I was, was really pleased with that. We can go through the, the goals, you know, the, the second sack of goal really quickly. I loved the finish. Uh, that sort of short side finish. But again, it's like you mentioned for the Trossard goal. Like, were there way any defenders on the field at that point? Yeah, way too much space. I mean, you can't let Saka cut in on his left foot. Are you mad? <laughs> That's exactly what I wrote. I was like, are yeah. crazy? Like are, you, like, are you nuts on his left foot? Are you sure? Like, you know, do you want to think about this for a second? Right. It's like when you do something incredibly stupid in a computer game and somebody's like, are you sure? Yeah, this is, yeah. this is really, this is really a thing. Question that you mark, want to do. question mark, question mark. It's like you know, <laughs> really like, are you sure? <laughs> you know, like, it's like well, one of those. And you can tell Ariel makes no move for that ball for that shot. It's he, he almost easily. He, I think he he may have been starting to shrug his shoulders before the ball crossed the line because he's probably looking at his he's really looking at his center back going really, why 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 yeah would what you are you do doing that? yeah get yeah. Can you close them down, please? Oh, yeah. But by then, it's like it's 4-5-0. You're like, oh, who gives a 
you know, <laughs> just yeah. whatever, get me off. <laughs> That's probably what he's thinking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, Saka, look, we, we just spoke about Saka's quality, obviously, and look, he's just, you know, there are a lot of opposition fans who, who you know, don't probably, maybe it's just the banter, but they don't really understand just how good Saka is. You know, he he. when I say he's world-class, this kid is world-class. My only concern is that, you know, if Real Madrid come knocking one day, it's going to be like, ugh. You know, it's going to be hard to not have his head turned because, look, I don't think there are many other clubs that Saka would play for, but there's probably maybe two potentially yeah. mm-hmm. um, that could maybe turn his head. But I, I do think that – is there another Premier League team? No. Is there a team in, you know, Germany? No. Italy? No. Yeah, but I think if if a Barcelona or a Real Madrid come knocking, it could be, you know, particularly Real Madrid. You know, Real Madrid have a different knock. Um, I was about to say, not my, Barcelona. Not right now. Yeah. That, that yeah, team's not a trash right fire. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all over the shop. But, you know, Real Madrid is definitely one of those teams where if they came knocking, especially, listen, and this is one of the things that I think we'll probably end up talking about in maybe a couple of seasons to come. But if we don't win a major trophy over the next, say, two, three seasons, that's when the player of Saka's calibre, although he loves Arsenal and he'd probably die for this club, that's when, you know, if Real Madrid comes knocking, he's going to look over his shoulder and be like, hmm, okay, hang on. You know, because and, and so we we have to deliver, and it, and it, it comes down to our teto, Really, we've got to we've got to deliver something. We've got to make sure that we sort of quench that thirst, so to speak, for these for these players, including players like Declan Rice, William Saliba. These guys aren't going to stay unless we start winning major trophies. Yeah, that's exactly it. You, you get players of the caliber that that are capable of winning trophies then you have to win trophies with them or they will go somewhere else completely. Yep. But I will say this, Real Madrid comes knocking. That we're, it's nine figures, and I'm not sure the first number is a one. Oh, I mean, yeah. realistically it, it, listen, it is. But like if we're going to yeah. be, you know. <laughs> oh, listen, like, listen if, if Real Madrid come knocking, we're going to gouge their eyes out. Don't worry about <laughs> that. We will we will make sure we get our bang for our buck. But what I'm, I guess my point is that we we – you know, look, it's great that we're challenging. We challenged last season. We're challenging this season. That's good because it means we're heading in the right direction. But we've got to try and bring home the bacon at some point. Yes. You know, whether that's the Champions League or a Premier League, we've got to bring home something. No, 100%. I, I, I couldn't agree more. You can't keep this these caliber of players and not win something because they know they know they can go somewhere else and win something. They know they yeah. can. They know they're good enough to be part of a team that goes out and wins major trophies. So if you put a, a collection of them together, you have you've got to win something with them. I, I yeah, I mean, and it, it really is. You're you're dead on this. Just a matter of how big's your window. That's really it. And I think that Edu and and Arteta, and I think Edu especially, you know, has done a good job with at very least protecting the value of a lot of these high end assets. They've done the contract renewals. You know. You're in a good shape there. You're in a good place. So that worst case scenario, the project falls apart a little bit. You've got the foundation of something that you can rebuild down the road. And so I think that's that's reasonable. But you're right. You've you got to win something. But I think we've put it off long enough. We've got to talk about Declan Rice's goal. <laughs> I, feel like we've, I feel like we've put off the main course here. But, you know, Declan Rice, who, no, by the, the way. Dessert. 
This is like the dessert, the creme de la creme. Who, by the way, was being booed during his, you know, during his introduction, not, not unanimously booed, but had some mixed reactions when he goes to take his first corner. You could hear the boos every time he was on the ball. And I just, I, I, I don't know. I, that was harsh. And I don't think it was deserved the way that, you know, everything that he did for that club and everything that he meant to that club, that was unfair. And so I think that, that him getting this goal is, is very karmic. If you believe in that sort of thing, uh, for me, it just, it felt so appropriate. And I love the way it happens too, right? Ben White taps a ball back, Trissard and Odegaard get in each other's way. It really looks like a slapstick routine. And so you've got Trissard and, and Odegaard coming together and they both pull up. And so the ball just squeezes right between them. And you can almost see Declan Rice is like, I had a heck with it. I'll do it myself. You know what as well was the best thing about that? was the fact that he scores this absolute worldie and then he gets taken off. So, like, it's fresh in all the stadium's mind, all the, all the West Ham fans' mind, as, as he's basically being clapped, as he's clapping, you know, he's walking off, doing the circle, you know, walk, turning around in a circle, clapping, literally, as he's just scored a worldie against his former team. <laughs> and it's like, it's just, it adds that layer of just saltiness in the wound. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, ugh. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that kind of thing. (laughs) With with the claps, you know. I don't know. I just think of how petty I am. And and I just feel like a lot of these players have so much more class uh, than I would, especially after having gotten, again, at best, a mixed reception. If I score a goal of that caliber, I I don't know that I could do the non-celebration celebration. celebration. But uh, he pulled it off. Didn't, you know, didn't celebrate. Would you would you Classy. have done the Adebayor or just run to the run straight to the opposition fans and just start knee sliding? I don't know. I'm a pretty petty person sometimes. I wonder if I might have. <laughs> but, but no, but that's me not having the connection to the club. And and obviously Declan Rice's connection to the club it goes way deeper than the reception he gets after he leaves, right? He's he knows people yeah, of this. You know, just from you know, from the top to bottom. He has a lot of connections with people I think he probably still has very good relationships with. So you know, looking at it from his perspective, I think it was probably easier than it is from somebody from the outside. Like, screw you guys. You're going to treat him like that? Then you just, you know, you know, knee slide the length of the pitch. Fine. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. yeah. So no, I, think no, I, I, I get I get what you're saying. And, and I think it's also as well, like West Ham gave him that opportunity to play at the top level. And I think yeah. it's like, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be earning the money I'm on. I wouldn't be able to provide my family. You know, it's like... It's sort of like you gave me that opportunity for me to basically now live the life I'm living. Right. That was his secondary school, you know, experience. And now he's at university and, you know, doing bigger and better things. Yeah. He's graduated and now, you know. (laughs) That's right. He's he's like doing something else now. Yeah. Uh, So you're right. Uh, He gets taken off. uh, Triple sub, 67th minute. Talk us through this. So, um... El Nene comes on for Rice. I know you were not happy about that sub at the time. Uh, Enkedia for Trissard and Reese Nelson for Bukayo Saka. Yeah, uh, look for for me, I it's not that I it's not that I dislike El Nene. It's just that when I look at the likes of Cedric Suarez, who also came on a bit later with with uh, Nwenyeri, I just think El Nene and 
Cedric Suarez, they're leaving at the end of this summer. So, and I know that they obviously they want to try and protect Declan Rice and protect some of our, you know, our Ben White as well, who's been fantastic. But obviously, you know, with Tommy Asu out injured at the moment, oh, you know, he had a bit of a niggle after his time with Japan. Okay, fair enough. You want to take them off. But unless I'm mistaken, Bandera is a defensive midfielder. So why not put him on instead of Rice? And, you know, let's just see what he can do. You know, if you want to take off Saka, or who did when who did Manieri come on for? I can't remember. Who did he come on for? Trossard? Uh, let me see what the the official on that one was. Because, um, yeah, I just, sorry. I think... Nketiah for yeah. Trossard, Reese Nelson for Saka. Uh, when Yuri came on for Martinelli. Okay. All right. Well, that, that makes sense. That's, that's fine. Um, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, I just think, you know, play the kid. He was 6-0 up. I just, I understand you want to protect Rice. That's fine. But put a kid on. It was 6-0 up. And if we do concede, I can understand how annoying that would be. But I also think that would be, and if it if it does end up being, you know, say a youngster's fault or um, Rural Waters or a, a Bandiero or Nwanieri's fault, if it's one of theirs' fault, I think it's a good learning curve. It's like, okay, what did you do wrong there? You know, mm-hmm. this, you're playing at the top level. This is the top level. And, and I would argue probably the, the highest level of European football compared to some of the other leagues in, in Europe. So you made a mistake. Okay, well, learn from it. Because if you want to play at this level, then you're going to have to understand how to actually play at this level. I do wonder, though, if you're trying to protect a clean sheet, that maybe that that becomes the priority. And it's, for example, let's say, let's say at 5-0, West Ham just sort of fluke a goal in and it's 5-1 and then it becomes 6-1. And maybe you maybe you go ahead and put Walters on at six one. Maybe you put Bandera on at six one in a way that you don't do at six nil because there are still some thing you know, there are things to play for even up six nil, like clean sheets. And so maybe it's easier or goal differential. So maybe it's easier to put a forward on there when you've already got you know, late in the game when you haven't given something up. I'm not trying to get into Mikel Arteta's head. Just no, but I'm trying to make in, sense that of could like be in his head though. That could, you could be right where, the, like, because I mentioned in the group chat, I said uh, we're on the same goal difference now as Man City, and we're one behind Liverpool. And right. listen, if we're with, if, we're, if considering how close it is, we're on equal points. Okay, fine, Man City have a game in hand, but we're on equal points with Man City. Liverpool are two points ahead. It's mm-hmm. looking, it's looking like it's going to be very close. Like it's like it could literally be three points between three teams. That's that's how close it could potentially be. So yeah. you never know. Goal difference could be the difference. So and that's Absolutely. the only thing I can think of where Arteta's like, listen, every goal that we get could be the difference between us winning and losing this league title. Absolutely. And you end up getting kind of the best of both worlds in a way because you get Saka off at 67 with a week between games. So that's, fan- that's fantastic. You get Declan Rice off, who did have a little bit of a limp, but it didn't look like anything serious. But you get him off. He doesn't play the last, you know, 25 to 30 minutes of the game. And there's a week between games. And it's just like, you couldn't set up a situation better because hopefully this week, you know, maybe by the end of the week, Jorginho's fully back. Or maybe by the end of the week, you know, hopefully the ESR thing's not serious. Yeah. You know, hopefully you're starting to get some guys back into the rhythm. Maybe Jesus, uh, and Jesus makes some progress. You know, and, and then you start to get, 
you're starting to think about right when the games are going to start coming thick and fast again because you've got Porto midweek next week. And so you've got to be ready for that. Yeah. You couldn't ask for a better scenario where you get some guys, some some good rest. And I at that point, I think I didn't really care who came on. I mean, it would have been cool to see the kids a little earlier or at all. But it was it was just I was so relieved to just get those guys a little bit of that rest of the time where, you know, the most difficult parts of the game. I know we're we going to, to talk, talk about the finishing team in a second, the, the, how the team ended. Yeah, I just want to say, I just want to talk about Manieri and his cameo. Yes. I, the kid, listen, compared to Nketiah and Reese Nelson, he looked the better player. And we're talking about two players who have played, what, over 150 games collectively for Arsenal? And yet here's this this Nwanieri kid has come on and he's looked better than those two. I mean, look, say what you will about Nketiah and Reese Nelson. I, I do think they're good players. I do think there are players, that there's a player in both Nketiah and, and Nelson. But what I saw yesterday, and albeit, look, it was a very small sample size. I'm not saying that this is, you know, I'm not talking, you know, thousands of minutes here. But- well, and the, the complete husk of a West Ham team at that point, but absolutely yes. But 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 having said that, you could argue that for Nelson and, and Kedia as well, and yet they still That's didn't true. look anywhere near as good. So, you know, I, I don't know whether it was Nwanieri saying, "Listen, I'm going to try and grab this with both hands here," but yeah, what I saw was a a, a kid who reminded me a lot of Jack Wilshere. I just had that sort of flair about him. Just a really interesting kind of the way he sort of ran with the ball. Uh, and there were a couple of passes he uh, put through to Eddie and Keda. And, yeah, I just thought his quality. And, and the weight of pass was another thing. Like the ball would go through past the defender and then slow up just nicely for Enkedia to run onto. You know, you, you, do you know what I mean? Like those passes. Mm-hmm. That you just the ball goes past it's quick enough to go past the defender, but once but once it gets past, it's like almost like it's almost like the revolutions on the ball. It's like you know when you hit a pool ball on a pool table and it goes and then it stops. You know, yeah. if you get like the sort of that uh, reverse on it, it's just, it yeah. was the same kind of thing. And I'm like, that's you know th- that's the kind of stuff you can't teach. <laughs> like, that's it's quality. Like that's, yeah, that's quality. Um, so yeah, that's just something I wanted to bring up. I thought Manieri looked better than Enketia and Nelson. Um. So, look, make of that what you will. You know, as as Arsenal fans, um, but certainly yeah. enough to get you excited about the player. Oh, absolutely. Um, I don't know whether now the question is: Do we loan him out? Do we keep him? <sighs> look, it's that's a tough question. Uh, I don't know, I but I will say will. that that based on what you know, Yamal is doing at Barcelona. If you're good enough, you're old enough. What that oh yeah, kid, I mean, what, yeah. What that kid's look at Cesc Fabregas, look at Jack Wilshere. You know, these guys were they were good enough. So yeah, a very a, a promising cameo, and it oh, that one makes you wish that that maybe we were still in the FA Cup, and that that would be a, yeah. a you know a time to get him to get him some minutes. Anytime you're up three or more goals, I say he should be considered to come on. But at the same time, if this team, if he's on your bench, that still means you have injury problems because where we have a lot of depth to come back, there's not going to be room for somebody like him on the bench. And so it was good to get him on when you had a chance, but in the ideal scenario, he doesn't even make the squad because we're healthy enough for him not to make the squad. 
I mean, would you have Vieira instead of Nguyenieri? Yes, but okay. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have Cedric or El Nenny instead of him. Not if Jorginho is no, healthy, and not no. if somebody like Thomas Party actually you know shows back up and plays. You, you have well, chances Tem- are we'll probably sell him, won't we? Uh, Thomas Party in the summer. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. Although I'm not sure what his value looks like at this point, but that's not. <laughs> we'll talk. That's an off season pod, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, but it, you know, I don't put him on in front of somebody like Fabio Vieira. I don't. I don't put him on the bench instead of Vieira. I, I do probably put him on the bench though, definitely over Cedric and over um, El Nenny. Definitely over guys that we have literally no use for, except you know their their contracts are ending this summer. Yeah, that's fair. And so that brings us to what did the team look like at the finish of this game? So we still had Ryan goal, uh, Cedric at right back, Saliba Gabriel, Kivior, who again, we talked about, you know, I I mentioned he gave away a ball in the second minute. Didn't really do anything wrong after that. Thought he looked pretty good. You know, starting to get more confident. Uh, Had another, had another left back finish off of a a rebound from a sack of shot that, would have been nice to see him finish, but not a big deal by any stretch. Uh, Reese Nelson, El Nenny, Odegaard, Kai, Enkedia, and Wanieri. If you finish with a team like that, your game has either gone extremely well or extremely poorly. And in this case, uh, went extremely, extremely well. Uh, before we get to uh, our questions asked and and or answered by this game anything on the on the last on the sort of finishing team oh look i think we kind of covered it we just wanted to get some of our key players off uh for you know we got games coming thick and fast champions league coming back next week so yeah give them a rest and uh play some of the fringe players absolutely so i want to start doing this with some of these games when we're covering things on uh, you know, days after the game, or just in a couple of days after the game, maybe a question that was that in your mind that the you know the game brought up a question or asked a question that you're not sure the answer of, and a question that was answered by this game. So let's start with uh, let's start with answered. Was there a question that about this team that that was answered by this game for you? Yeah, I think. Probably the biggest thing is that if we play with the level of intensity and if we play with a level of commitment that we really should be playing every game with, I feel like we could beat any team in the Premier League. I mean, when you see the quality, like yes, yesterday and probably, you know, even against Liverpool, um, even against Crystal Palace, and to be fair, even against Nottingham Forest, even though we only beat Nottingham Forest 2-1, that probably flatters not all that. No, it does flatter Nottingham for us because they scored a we, they scored a late goal. Yes, that we we're winning that game two 0 looked comfortable. They got a late goal, and then all of a sudden they got a bit sort of edgy. But yeah, a question that was as answered for me is that if we are just, if we are on song, we are unstoppable. Yeah, I think for me a question, and I, I'll just I, I mean let me just first say I agree with you, but. Uh, we're sort of pushed, pushing up against it time-wise. So I'll, I'll try and be quick. I think a question that was answered for me by this game is something that we had talked about a little bit in our in our sort of WhatsApp group, which is if we cut the individual errors out of our defending, 
this defense is special. It is absolutely special. West Ham is a top half of the table team, and we were on their ground, and they had beaten us twice, and we held them to point two two expected goals or thereabouts, depending on the model that you're looking at. Now, I know they didn't have Pekita, and I know they're facing some of their own injury problems, but what this defense has done, this isn't the only time we've done this, right? We held Liverpool. We held City to some of their lowest XGs of the season. The chances that we are simply not giving up is astounding. If we, if we don't have individual errors, Arsenal is an extremely tough team to play against. And this, that, I mean, maybe that question had been answered for you very early on or much earlier than now, but I think this sort of confirms that for me. Yeah, yeah. We just, we, we, we just look unstoppable. Like our, our ability to press from the front, in a def- like when we don't have the ball, to just basically suffocate teams. And like I said, when we're on song and we're doing that properly and we're doing it as a team, you know, it's not like there were times earlier in the season, the first half of the season, where Odegaard would go and, you know, if Enkedia was playing or if, when Kai Havertz was new in the team, he wasn't going. So it was like, you know, Odegaard would push and then nobody else would and it just would, wasn't quite working. But it's like almost like, okay, cool, Odegaard pushes. That triggers Martinelli. That triggers Saka. All of a sudden, Kai's pushing. All of a sudden, Jesus. Like it, it's like it just the, the triggers are all triggering at the same point now. It's almost like the light bulb has gone off, you know. And that's probably you know the fact that they've had six months playing together, where and and Arteta's been able to sort of drill this in, go away to Dubai, keep drilling it in, and now you're sort of seeing the fruits of that. Where it's like you know defensively, even defensively, not just in terms of our back four, but just even our midfielders and our and our front three. You know, defending as a team, you know, it's just, it's really, it's becoming very special. It's like, yeah, we're just able to really press and do it collectively and suffocate teams. You mentioned the XG. You know, these teams are getting no chances. We've literally conceded two shots on goal in our last two games against West Ham and Liverpool, who are top of the league. And we, they, we conceded one shot on goal. We conceded yeah. one shot on goal against West Ham away at the London Stadium. Where they are actually a pretty decent team. Yeah. Especially at home, yeah, they're a decent team at home. They were they came so, in with a plus seven goal differential at Olympic Stadium, and they left yesterday with a plus one. Yeah, that's that's a beating. But yeah, even when we're not the unstoppable force, we are definitely the immovable object, unless we move ourselves, which is absolutely. what I'll call yeah. what I'll call calamitous individual errors. Uh, a question asked by this game. Did this this game bring up any questions for you? Yeah, I think the first 25 minutes still brought up a, a few questions. I th- still think we need an out-and-out striker. Someone who is, I mean, I don't want to say on the level of Haaland because that's like trying to find a needle in a haystack. <laughs> but we need, we, need, we need a quality striker, like a world-class striker. And look, I know this is probably blasphemy to a certain degree to say this, but if we had someone like a Harry Kane, honestly, I've I've honestly believe we'd win the league. Like and just, I'm just being I'm just being honest. I'm just being just 100%. Any, someone, can you just use any other example? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, like, well like, the reason why I'm saying look Harry Kane is a quality player. He, and 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 what I mean by Harry and the reason why I've picked Harry I, Kane is because for me personally he does everything that Jesus does but to a higher level of quality. You know, he comes deep as as it almost comes into like the number 10 position and he's able to pick passes. And so if if imagine 
Saka and Martinelli and Odegaard having that having a player like of of I guess of, of Kane's quality doing that. But then not to mention Kane can go on and score twenty twenty five goals in a season in the in, in just the league. You know you know and and th- that that extra level of quality. The only thing that he doesn't have, I would say, is the work rate of Jesus. That's the one thing that he wouldn't have. That's because he's getting older now and he's a bit slowed down a little bit. But just well, yeah, that added trophies. quality. Yes, that that too, and look and and look and based on the the Bayer Leverkusen Bayern Munich result, uh, it might look like he's still, he's might, that that rain might continue. Yes, that was an Arteta masterstroke sending Granite Xhaka to Leverkusen to stop Harry Kane from getting a trophy. Yes. Yeah, Arteta's done it. That guy's awesome. Wenger, awesome. Wenger's done it. Yeah, that's that's more four dimensional chess from the manager. All yeah. right, I think we can we can leave it there. Oh wait, I did have a question. I, a question asked by this game, I think, really has to do with. I feel like the last two games have made me question what the ceiling is for this team. I thought I maybe knew kind of what the ceiling is, and I think maybe this game and the last game have allowed me to envision a ceiling that might actually be higher than what I thought it was before. Um, so I, and that's good. I, that's obviously what you want. So I think that's a question for me is, is maybe the team, maybe the ceiling for this team is higher than it was. And I'm, and I'm very happy to have that question. And like I, I, think, I mentioned, I think if, if we signed a world-class striker, I think the ceiling of this team is Premier League champions. I honestly believe that. We just need someone who is of a quality up for like just a next level. I've mentioned this so many times on the pod, and you've been a part of this. That those level raising kind of signings, where we can just sign someone who was at next level, I just think could be a game changer for us. It could be a catalyst for maybe a you know a, a decade of, of of success. Yeah, I think you were you're you're right. We're definitely past the point of of uh mostly past the point of signing floor raisers it is time for ceiling raisers and level yeah. raisers so i think no that's, more stop gaps you know but i think that that's i think that's exactly where edu and arteta are as well i don't think there's any i i just think we're all on the same page here because this team is is so it, it's clear what this team's strengths and weaknesses are and and everyone knows it and everyone knows what moves them to the next level so yeah, I mean, I'm not always as keen on it having to be like a pure striker as as maybe others. I think that the I think that maybe not the best teams ever, but my favorite teams to watch are the ones where you sort of never know where the next goal is coming from. But I do agree that that if that's the case, then you want your striker to be just as potent and lethal as everyone else, and and we may be missing that right now. And also, it's just to have something different. You know, it's it's, but that's when I was mentioning. That's why I mentioned Harry Kane because he he's not just a potent striker. If you think about at his time when he was at Tottenham, how he would come deep and feed Son, Kulusevski, and you, you know, having that ability to do that as well as score goals gives you so many dimensions. You know, it's like, okay, do you need a, do, you, do I need to score a goal? Yeah, not really. And that's what Jesus kind of does. I mean, he's even come out and he's, Jesus has said himself, he's not really a goal-scoring striker. So, you know, I'm just thinking, okay, get someone like that, but on a higher quality. But obviously, Harry Kane would never come through Arsenal, so that's not really an issue. Um, but someone of that quality, like, who's similar of that quality, who can do what he does, ugh, man, 
the big game changer for us, in my, at least in my opinion. But also a backup for Saka, so, you know, just in case. <laughs> well, somehow I agree with all everything that you say, but I also want to say that Harry Kane is the worst player to have ever disgraced the Premier League, so. <laughs> nah, nah, you got to take off those bias-tinted glasses. I did. I agree with with everything that you said. He's also the worst Uh, player I've ever seen. So uh, you figure it out. All right, let's let's end it there. Uh, A celebratory hour of a match that was really a lot of fun to watch and that felt very cathartic, I think, for for everyone who's uh, been through some of these West Ham games over the last year or so. So uh, extremely excited for the next one. We've got Burnley away before Porto away. So, you know, the Emirates is sitting empty, just sort of gathering dust until Newcastle. Uh, But the way this team is playing on the road right now, I think that's going to be okay. So once again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We really appreciate it. Give us a like, give us a review, give us a subscribe, Uh, tell a friend, tell your mom, tell us, you know, tell some additional football fans, whatever you have to do. Uh, help us grow a little bit, but we appreciate you being here first and foremost. Uh, so Alex, I hope the rest of your week uh, goes as well as it started. Thank you very much. And uh, you too. Thanks, All right. Sean. Take care. Thanks. Thanks everybody. Thanks.